Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Alami podcast, Change Your Company. My guest today is Hussein Wehbi, who is a CEO of Fetcher, a tech-enabled logistic company, transportation company. And uh, he, has, he is a, a senior executive uh, who has been working in the logistics and transportation industry for more than 17 years. Is it, is it right, Hussein? More than 17 I'm crossing, years? I'm crossing 18, 19 now. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And he is a big advocate on people and culture and the importance of this of, for driving organizations forward. He is an influencer on LinkedIn. He has a large following and his posts are very interesting, inspiring, insightful. Thank you so much, Hossein, for being with us today. And uh, I'm really excited about this conversation together. Thank you, Dr. Alami. But let me just correct something. I'm not an influencer. And I will never be an influencer. <laughs> I'm okay. a normal guy sharing my knowledge and experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you're an influencer in a way that, uh, I mean, there is a lot of definition what influencer, but actually exactly. you have a, your post got a lot of attention and they're educational, inspirational, uh, and that's what I like about them. And that's how, how actually I got to, to know you. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So uh, I'm really curious about your leadership journey and especially what influenced your leadership philosophy, which is all about putting people first, uh, driving the culture, uh, appreciating people, connecting with customers on a human level, all this kind of things, which are very, very interesting. Uh, tell us a little bit about your leadership journey, which shaped your philosophy about leading. Well, Fahd, basically my leadership journey has been a normal one like anybody else. But I worked in different companies. I experienced different leadership styles. Uh, when I was being led by people, uh, you know, I worked in Aramex for around 18 years and then worked with UPS. I worked with the UAE government. And I, I, I have been exposed to different leadership types. And this was really a good advantage because I was able to extract from every leadership type uh, a certain leadership style which I can really implement. So whatever I, I, I wanted to be led by, I tried my best to lead others in the same way. It was a long journey, a lot of learnings, and, and I'm very happy that I, had, I was exposed to all these types of organizations, which shaped maybe uh, my leadership skills, if I'm allowed to say they're acceptable, if. Yeah. Well, I had once a guest, a very interesting guest on my uh, podcast, and uh, he's a great leader. And he told me that he learned uh, from some of his bosses who were a really great example about what you should do. And in some cases, he learned what not to do. Like he, he had like some leaders who were not exhibiting maybe the best behavior. Is this the same for you? Was it the same? Like you of course, had almost, of course. Yeah. Of course. Look, I've, I've worked with different leaders not necessarily direct reporting to them. You know, you work with different leaders. Some leaders are your direct bosses. Some of them are peers. Of course, I learned a lot from the ones who really uh, uh, left a very positive impact on me personally. And I learned much more from the ones whom I never maybe was able to click with their style, you know, because each and every person has their own style. I saw the good ones. I saw the ones who need improvement because I don't, I will, I will never allow myself to say I've seen the bad ones. Everybody is good, but everybody needs a certain improvement in their leadership style. Yeah. Talking about leadership style and talking about improvement, you, one of your latest posts, you talk about being infected. Tell us about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, many people first thought I was a COVID-19 infected 
<laughs> However, no, look, it was a very, it was a very uh, authentic pose. Uh, I wanted to talk about my positive energy. And that's why if you see, I've put that pill, which was labeled as a positive, positivity pill. That's how I really uh, wake up every day morning. I learned a lot of lessons uh, in, in life. If I wake up in a bad mood or in a negative mood, it will affect me. It will affect everybody around me. It will not take me anywhere. And I don't, I don't know how I train myself to really overcome everything that's called stress and negativity. As a person, I never tolerate negative people. I just can't tolerate negative people. I try to cope with them. I try to change them. That's why, um, surprisingly, every day morning, whatever the situation is, I start the day with a very positive spirit. I have that self-generated energy. I don't really need anybody to make me positive. And that's why I, I said that I got infected and maybe this, is affected, this has affected me personally and it affects a lot of people around me as well. So yes, it's a fact. It will never change. As I said, it's a lifetime medication. Yeah, It's for free, as somebody said uh, on that post. And uh, you never need a prescri prescription at all. And it's good to infect others. That's the good thing. You don't need a mask while taking that pill. That's great. And uh, let's let's give like our listeners uh, some insights here. So let's say you wake up and you are exhausted and somehow I don't know you had like a you know nasty dream and you you had like bad mood. What do you do in order to change it? Look, I all I need to do is just to uh, adjust myself for for maybe a couple of minutes and then I, you, you will t train yourself uh, for how to adjust yourself to the situation. And even if you're not feeling good, no need to let others take that negative vice from you. So maybe sometimes you have to pretend that you are okay and you're positive. Some people say you shouldn't do that. Some people say you should. There's no really uh, proper rule for that. But myself personally, I try to keep my problems at home. I try to keep my problems in the car. I try to keep my problems wherever they exist, and never take them to work, never take them to my social gatherings or uh, friends meetings. If I ever felt that I'm not in a good mood uh, to meet anybody, it's better to just apologize, not go anywhere until I really cool down. But again, when you reach a situation whereby literally nothing is going to put you in that very bad mood, then your life is going to be much easier. Excellent. Uh, actually, I remember uh, Jack Welch talking about this, which is you have to have positive energy. And he says in the morning, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. He calls it the mirror test. And if you look and you see yourself like being bored or low energy, slap yourself on the face to get ready for the day. Um, and, and I have to say, actually, in, in some of the leadership programs uh, that I've been, I've been leading, I talk about this, which is, uh, I call it state management, which is you really need to manage your state before all uh, interactions, especially with your you know, groups and uh, teams. When you are with your team, you need to manage your state. Every single presentation, every single interaction, you want to spread or inject this positive energy in your people. So... Now let's talk a little bit about alignment and, and uh, alignment is one of the key job of leadership and now within your organization and I know you are driving change, uh, you are driving turnaround in a way uh, and how, how do you ensure that 
everyone is aligned with the vision and the goals of the organization and the values? Well, it's very important, proper and consistent communications. This is a very important uh, aspect of bringing alignment to the whole team. It can either happen through these town halls, it can happen through these regular gatherings with your people, or sometimes a one-to-one is very important with your uh, leadership layers or the key leaders. You just explain to them the vision and the mission, and then they can cascade it down to the people downwards if you were working in a big organization. But you have also to keep reminding people. And the most important thing ever, forget everything I told you, is to lead by example. If you put a vision or a mission or these values, you as a CEO of the company should be the first to champion these, should be the first to demonstrate uh, those values before expecting anybody to follow and do that. The moment you do that, it will infect everybody else. It becomes part of your corporate culture and gradually it becomes a mindset in every single employee of your organization. So what could be a good example of this? Uh, actually, maybe when I think about the post that you that you put, when you talk about like um, customer service, right? Customer complaints. If, if there, any customer like have a complaint, when they send you a message, you reply right away. So in a way, you are... Right. You are leading by example, and and this is the way you make the organization align because they see you doing it, they will do it. Do you agree with this? Well, you just said it, Fouad. It's about customer centricity. The biggest example here uh, for uh, communicating really the vision of the company is when you talk about customer centricity, how the whole organization, from the CEO down to the best frontliner in the organization, Everybody should be customer-centric. An accountant, uh, sales, uh, uh, an HR, every single function in the company should have that customer centricity because, you know, in the service industry, whatever you do, no matter what function you work in, it all goes around the end result, which is customer satisfaction as customer centricity. So I have this maybe uh, by instinct, if I'm allowed to say that. I started my career in the early days as an account manager and before that as an account executive. So I used to be a customer service person. It never ended when I grew across the years or when I climbed the ladder. In fact, it became much stronger. I became more demanding uh, towards what others would deliver in terms of customer experience. That's why today you see me, I jump in into any complaint that comes to me directly. Uh, Before delegating, at least I understand quickly the situation. I acknowledge it. I feel that client, and then I, I delegate it to somebody. And I will be very much confident when I give it to somebody that that somebody is going to handle it in the most perfect way. Because we put guidelines, not really those strict guidelines that have an ABC. No, it's just a matter of how to treat that person as if you were in his or her shoes as a frustrated customer. So yes, this is becoming a culture and fetcher. Whether I like it or not, it's going to happen gradually i'm not promising you the moon from day one but i promise everybody a very smooth trip towards the moon it will take some time it's a mindset but we're going to be there very soon excellent Uh, you talk also about uh, talents and the hidden gems in the in the in the company and you talk about reaching or or having consultants should be a second choice when first it should be about identifying this talents who could have the answers or who could help the organization make the shift, make the leap. Tell us a little bit about this. 
Definitely. Look, across my career, I've always received uh, those greatest suggestions and ideas from people whom you never expected uh, to be that competent in the organization. And believe it or not, they are the most junior people. They were hiding somewhere down across those thick players in big organizations. And maybe they're very highly qualified. They have high degrees. Some of them have MBAs and more than that. However, they were working in a very junior role. Surprisingly, this happens a lot. So when we used to open those uh, open sessions for brainstorming, they used to pop up and show their great talent. And then these are the people who can really drive any initiative within the organization before going to consultants and all those advisory companies. As I said, these companies are brilliant and great and they can add a lot of value. But before going outside, you have to see your internal consultants. Mm. Your own people are the best passionate people who knows about the organization, who know how to fix things, who know the challenges, and of course, they know the opportunities. So look inside before you spend outside. And it's, it's a free thing. You're not going to pay anything. You can acknowledge those people if they solve a problem for you, if they come up with a good idea for you. You can acknowledge them with a fraction of what you're going to pay an external consultant who may come and give you the, the right guidelines, but in the end, the execution is going to happen by your own people anyways. Exactly. And how do you identify or involve or engage these people uh, in the problem solving or in coming up with opportunities or solution to challenges? How, I mean, what's the process you go about? Like usually, if you, if you have now, for example, a challenge in the organization, how do you go about it? To engage them. Well, today, I believe the best, the, the first thing that you do is you gather the first layer of the decision makers and explore. If you didn't reach any, any solution, then you go to the people with them and maybe do, maybe it can be a survey, maybe it can be uh, a general email to everybody, just capturing ideas. And the best way to do it maybe sometimes is to go through the HR and through the internal communications team who will properly communicate and make it, you can, you can gamify, gamif, you, know, you can use gamification sometimes. It yeah. can become a game. You know what? Who can come up with the best idea? Who can come up with the fastest solution? Who will win X, Y, Z? Or it's going to be the employee of the week, the day, or the year, whatever you have those nice initiatives. Uh, let people really enjoy coming up with new ideas or coming up with solutions while having fun. Why not? It's very doable. And you will be impressed and surprised with the great ideas that will come, again, from the hidden gems. I call them the hidden gems, and I will always do. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point also. And, and in the work we've done in Agility, we, we involved like the branch managers in that case because there are branches. We involved like the team lead, the frontline team leaders in really implementing the change and even coming up with the way we want to implement it. So, uh, and, and we saw like how this really made a huge difference in terms of ensuring that the change got implemented because the idea itself, and, and you, 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 you said it right in a way that if you bring consultants, you need, you need to still sell it to your people. But if you get the idea from your people, it's easier to sell. And so exactly. they can implement 100%. it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I agree. Yeah. So, I'm curious about so today leading Fetcher. What's what's your biggest challenge uh, as a CEO? Look, I always answer by saying that I would rather have you asking me what are the opportunities, but I'm going to answer you today only as an exception. Okay, let's let's uh, let's, 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 let's let's start let's start with the opportunity actually. 
And then no, let me tell you first the okay. challenge because it's very, very minor. Okay. Uh, today, turning around the company in a, in, a, in a short time, in a record time, is somehow maybe a challenge. I'm not telling you it's a difficulty, but you know, whenever you have a short period and high expectations to have a quick turnaround uh, and then to put the company on a fast track mode, and then after that, you can put it on an overdrive mode, it's not as easy as it sounds, but you know what? It seems so achievable as it looks. So that's it, basically. Not Nothing really, uh, uh, I don't call it a critical challenge. I call it maybe a challenge that needs a lot of agility from our side and speed to make sure that we have a proper turnaround. The whole community, everybody is waiting for us to see the, the great comeback. And we have a great team who's behind this turnaround. Uh, opportunities, I can tell you from today till tomorrow, we can do a special episode about this. But uh, the biggest opportunity is this region needs a lot of new players, maybe like Fetcher, who are tech-enabled, have the best technologies in the industry, have the best people as well. And of course, the mindset of coming, again, coming back with a very high customer centricity approach, uh, a company which you can really uh, communicate with easily. We're approachable. We're there from top to bottom. We're everywhere with the clients. And we are very aggressive those days and trying to really uh, fix and close the gaps of the industry. Uh, if you noticed in one of my communications, I said clearly there is a gap and we have a big responsibility as Fetcher and as industry, uh, uh, maybe colleagues, to fix those issues and to make sure that the ecosystem of the logistics in this region uh, goes to the next level. The e-commerce business is booming big time. And I think... Uh, mediocre services cannot be offered by anyone anymore. So if we take the lead, at least, if we aim, and we aim to become the partner of choice for many organizations, I don't think there's anything that can stop us. There is no reason. We have all the ingredients, and I'm very optimistic about how the team will perform. That's excellent. So if I want to describe you in a couple of words, I would say positive leader, positive leader. And I, I think this is something you... I mean, I see from your post that you appreciate like your people, your team, the talent, the, uh, the, the whole organization, the, the opportunity that you have. And even you, you appreciate like customers, you appreciate even uh, other companies that you get to their service. So um, I'm, I'm curious about this, which is, do you think that sometimes like being positive could lead to complacency or maybe underperformance or is it the other way around? Look, first, let me tell you about the positivity. Uh, and I want to speak about, I'm going to mention names here because every good performing company is uh, worth to be really exposed positively. But uh, this is one of the things that I, I will always do. I will never stop no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how people will perceive it. I will continue doing this because by spreading those positive vibes and telling everybody about those great brands that are performing well and satisfying us as customers, I mean, why not really expose them publicly, loudly, and motivate those great people behind those brands who are doing a great job and making us satisfied as customers. In a time when, when really other companies are struggling to survive. So, so the focus on customer experience those days is much less because a lot of companies are just busy surviving. I, I posted three times, I think, in the past couple of months 
One, it was for Noon. They did a great job with me and, and, and one of the services. I posted about Talabat as well, and I posted about CAFO recently. The experience that I, I, I had was a bit exceptional, and I'm a very demanding customer. So I said, why can't I really thank them publicly and let people experience the same good service levels that I faced? Funnily, a lot of people, or some people, let me be fair here, uh, think that those posts are sponsored. They think that, you know, I'm getting paid for those posts, which will never yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and you know what? Funnily, some people tell me, you know, why are you doing for them a free advertisement? Of course I have to. This is not an advertisement. It's an acknowledgement. It's a public acknowledgement. It's a public thank you for doing a great job. And I want them to do the same with others. And of course, this will improve the overall service levels of uh, the region. Um, imagine... If every single person today goes on social media and talks positively about those great performing brands, that's brilliant. I, I will never, by the way, go and, and post about a, a negative experience. Never. Actually, this I was my next question. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You're reading my mind. Yeah. Look, yeah. a lot of people may do it. I don't do it for two reasons. First of all, the brand itself shouldn't be a victim because of one case that happened across that organization, and maybe because of one person. You cannot really go and bash a whole brand, uh, uh, damage their reputation, just because you are frustrated. I take all those usually offline. I complain offline, but I acknowledge loudly uh, and publicly online. I think that's a good thing to do. It will never bring any, any value to me if I go into any post and, you know, maybe they are celebrating an achievement and then a party spoiler like me comes and says, oh, you need to go and improve your service. You have a very lousy service. What will I benefit from that? It's better to take it offline. If I don't get the support, I will find my way to reach somebody who can help me. That's my personal uh, opinion here. I'm sure that I may not be very much right about this, but this is how I, I, I prefer to read deal with such cases. But but uh, would you maybe put a post without exposing the names to, to, to make a um, point? Sometimes, yes, but I'm not really that negative poster. I prefer not to. Yeah, okay. And maybe if okay. there's a lesson, if there's a lesson to mm. be taught here, without, without uh, it can be a constructive lesson, yes, but very mm. rare. A constructive mm. lesson can be something that you may post just to give maybe an idea of improvement for a certain industry, of course, without mentioning the name. Yeah. So if we go back to this point, which is being a positive leader, do you think it could lead to complacency in some cases? People like, you know, he gave us a compliment, so we lay back now and, you know, like, uh, do you think it could lead to this? Uh, sometimes, yes. Sometimes you may have people who will take you or employees will take you for granted. Uh, being a, a very positive, a cheerful, and empathetic leader is a good thing to do. It drives mot motivation. It drives performance. Uh, rarely you will see people who will really uh, abuse that. And the moment this happens, I think you have to draw that thin line between being a good boss or being uh, a tough boss. Uh, however, it's all about performance. You can be the greatest leader ever, but you have to be performance-oriented. I am one of those people who don't like really that uh, leadership by fear. I prefer to lead people by letting them perform. But because I'm very good with them, they will be embarrassed to underperform. So it's good to have an employee to be embarrassed from you 
by not performing rather than being afraid from you uh, if they don't perform. So this is mm -hmm. a very good tactic that you can use here. You will say, I don't, I will never want to really disappoint that great boss or that great leader who works with me or who supports me or who trusted me blindly. I have to perform. And I'll give you a small story here. Mm -hmm. One of my great bosses in the past, uh, I had a problem in my numbers when I was still in the sales. I still remember that moment. He called me to a performance meeting. This was more than 10 years back. He told me, listen, Hussein, the whole company is getting its numbers. We are on plan. We are on target. With you or without you, we will achieve the numbers. I'm bringing you here to show you that your individual numbers as a salesperson need improvement. If you improve, you are a winner. If not, you're going to be losing yourself and nobody else. That was a very big turning point for me. It was a very nice way of uh, telling me that I need to improve uh, uh, without really um, being that aggressive in that style. And trust me, since then, it changed my whole perception of how to deal with such situations. You cannot lead people with a stick. Whoever doesn't perform, there's a way to shape them up. In the end, if they don't perform, many of them will leave on their own. I've seen people just resigning or leaving across the years because they couldn't perform and they feel a bit embarrassed to stay with you without delivering what you expect from them. It's something that happens that is very normal. Yeah. This takes me actually to a point a, or a code that you shared uh, on LinkedIn where you say, who feels with people never feels, fears people. Who feels with people never fears people. T tell us what do you mean by that? Well, some, usually what do you fear in life? Anything other than people. Most people fear people. So if you are really uh, a people's person, if you're really good with everybody, you have nothing to hide, you've done nothing wrong, and you're always close to people, you will never fear people. You will never, ever fear people. And by the way, when you are a good person, you will have an army of people who will defend you when anybody comes and attacks you, I mean, when I say attacks you, attacks you socially, or somebody tries to talk about you, speak about you, uh, backstab you, you will always have that hidden army who are behind you, who will support you. That's why you really have nothing to fear. I'm one of those people who I never fear human beings, never. I have nobody to fear, and there's no reason to fear anybody. In fact, you respect people, and people respect you. Whenever things cross the line, just cut the communications, cut the relationship, and move forward. Very good. Um, if, I mean, even though some people say, like, I mean, I went to a seminar actually recently, and the guy is a, he was extremely successful businessman. He built like many businesses, and he got into uh, a merger and acquisitions. And uh, he, he says all the time, like, fear works, you know, and, and the idea is, you know, sometimes to use fear. But I see your point. I see your point that fear at the end, for the medium long term, it will not work. It will only make people freak out, and the, you will lose the the good talents, uh, which which is which is you know would be bad for the for the culture of the organization. Look, fear will get you numbers sometimes. All right, that's be realistic. Here. Fear will get you numbers, but these are not permanent numbers. It will get you numbers for a month, for a two. That specific person is going to leave you. I have a lot of stories. I've seen in my eyes a lot of stories. When, when, when those uh, leading, uh, leadership by fear are being implemented, and then in the end you lose your people, and you have nobody to scare anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, some my point. So you yeah. stay alone. You'll be scared yeah. from yourself because you have nobody <laughs> to really deliver performance. So no, yeah. it doesn't work. Okay, being tough, definitely leadership is about being neutral. You have to be tough. We're not saying that you have to be the best friend of everybody. Of course not. You have to adjust your leadership style. You have to be a performance-oriented leader without any negotiations here. But the good performing people will get the best out of you. The medium performing people will get a bit from you. And the bad performing people will have to see at least some, some uh, a tough face or maybe, maybe they are not performing because of a reason. They have no tools. They're not, they're not comfortable with the working environment. They need training. If it is really an attitude problem, then you can be the toughest leader ever and you can enjoy it as well. But it should be a rare situation. You, you share a lot of messages on, on LinkedIn. And, and actually, to me, I find it interesting because my, my bet is it's helping you leading the organization as well because it's kind of uh, creating, again, more alignment. And uh, I've seen, for example, this uh, video of uh, the CEO of Marriott during the COVID-19. And it was a video targeted to all the employees. And he put it on LinkedIn. And, and at the beginning of the crisis, and he was uh, he was almost actually crying on the video, right? He's saying like, you know, it's a huge crisis. We're gonna lose some people. We're gonna lose, uh, and it's gonna be tough, etc. And but it was so powerful to because some people would say, you know what, we need to keep this message internally. But he put it out there, and I bet that more more people, employees from the from Marriott, they've seen it because it was on the social media. So how, I mean, in your, in your journey so far, how is this helping you internally? Because I think there are a lot of lessons that could be learned from our listeners, the leaders out there. First, uh, let me just answer you about the Marriott video. Uh, there's a personal saying that I always say it. Empathy is never a weakness. It is a, a very big strength that doesn't exist in weak leaders. So empathetic leaders are the strongest and the leaders who do not have empathy are the weakest. That's a formula. A natural formula. Uh, look, LinkedIn has helped me a lot. Uh, a lot of people uh, used to tell me when I started, I started, I think, maybe seven, eight years back. And many people at that time were telling me, slow down, slow down. Uh, I started by, by creating quotes at that time, I remember. I yeah. just used to come up with those quotes. And I used to love those quotes because, you know, it, it, they used to inspire me personally. And then I used to share them. And uh, they used to take a bit of traction. People wanted those. People told me to continue. The reason I continued on LinkedIn and became uh, performing or not performing, uh, posting every single day is uh, because people wanted that. The acceptance was amazing. And I had no problem in continuing in this. Uh, if you notice that I have daily posts, every single day I, I have a post for one simple, simple reason. There's a lot of things to be shared. There is no reason for you not to share your knowledge and experience. And it's okay to be engaged, whether, whether it's once or twice per day. Creating a post uh, for us is never a time-wasting thing. It doesn't mean that you are sitting on LinkedIn the whole day and you're not doing work. I'm, I'm maybe one of the most or the busiest people on earth, maybe. However, in the morning, I drop my post. I, I prepare it before one day. I always have a topic to speak about. And in the afternoon, maybe I can throw another post. Sometimes you have to balance, and I balance between uh, the thought leadership or knowledge sharing, and sometimes I share about the organizations that I represent. So by balancing all those, 
people want that content. It's not really just because I want to be loud. Uh, people want you to be active. People want authentic uh, content. And they don't really want always just those corporate topics and advertisements. You know, they, are, they will be bored. So that's why, because I felt that everybody is accepting this. And of course, you will have 90 people happy and 10 people say, oh, that's too much. It's, it's okay. You, you cannot please everybody. And you never do it for likes or for engagements. Personally, I never looked into the statistics uh, in, in, in details for one reason. When I post something, the moment I click that it was posted, I'm, I feel happy that it, it was maybe received or were received by people. So sharing what you have is more important than the engagement itself. Because sometimes, if you notice, I disable comments. Many people have written to me a lot. Why do you disable comments? There is different reasons for doing that, and it's normal. Sometimes, really, I don't, I'm, I'm not really posting to drive engagement. I'm trying to deliver a message here. It can be a good message, of course, a positive message. I just want to deliver a message. I'm not really concerned about the engagement. Sometimes I post a topic, and I know that the, the, there will be sometimes those very negative and harmful, harmful comments because of the type of the topic. And I hate really to delete comments, although you have the full right to delete any abusive comments and any, any bad ones that really uh, insult you or insult your audience. So I disable the comments. Again, a message is being delivered, and you don't really have, need to have a lot of engagements. Or well, sometimes as well, you, cannot, you don't have the time to really respond to people. It's mm -hmm. not good to, to, to keep those messages unattended, but you cannot respond to everybody. So yeah. that's it in a nutshell. So internally, did, did it help you creating more alignment in, your, in Fetcher, for example, so far? Look, it, it doesn't really affect that much internally mm -hmm. in the organization mm -hmm. uh, because it's a mix of a personal thing that I do since day one. I've done this in every single job I had, and I will never stop it, by the way. It's something mm -hmm. that will continue with me forever. Uh, but every time what comes new is, uh, is when I speak about the corporate achievements of the organizations or I try to promote the business, there is a new name. Uh, there was one question which I was asked once. They told me, you change colors. You changed, I changed from red to brown and then from brown to orange now. So... Is it that easy? You can change the color uh, within a couple of days. No, look, it's very normal. You have to be passionate about the organization that you that you join. I will never join an organization if I don't believe in it, if I don't believe in the brand, if I don't have a passion to work with them. So the whole three colors, the brown, the red, and the orange, I had full passion in working with. And maybe, maybe I feel a bit satisfied that I was able at least to a minimum level to represent those brands in a proper way uh, and in a passionate way. Maybe it had an impact at that time. I got new customers. I got new business leads. Uh, as I mentioned recently in one of my posts, many of the leads come to me through those private messages because people want to work with you as an organization. And when they know you as a person, they already know you socially. They trust you. They believe you. So you mix your personal brand with the corporate brand, and this is where lead magic happens. Yeah, so in a way, you become also the brand ambassador of your company. 100%. Yeah, under, yeah. And the brand guardian as well. So you yeah. protect that brand and you represent it at the same time. Yeah. And uh, also when you are promoting some of your talents, when you are putting their names out there, I, I mean, I saw some posts yeah. where you are recognizing the team, for example, in KSA, 
you know how engaged how energized they are and um, this is this drive for sure motivation and uh, because you you know appreciating them in public is is great can i tell you why for simply yeah. people yeah. want to work with great people yeah. i can put an airplane i can put a truck i can put a delivery car i can put a motorbike i can put a drone i can put uh, a boat any transportation uh, uh, vehicle i can put this is not what really people want. People want to see people. People want to work with people. It's a human-to-human -human relationship. Yeah. That's why, if you notice recently, and we will do this a lot, we will promote a lot of our people, Fetcher is about people. Fetcher is about that great culture of high-performing people who are passionate to serve others, who are passionate to be there for others, and who are passionate to prove to the whole industry that they are capable of being partners to every B2C and e-commerce partner in the region. That's why we are allowing our people to be exposed. And they're happy with this. Why can't, why don't you really uh, need to expose uh, or why do you want to block exposing your people? There's no reason. That's great, that's great. So now let's, let's talk a little bit, some uh, personal reflections. What's some success habits which helped you to reach the level that you are in today, the position you are in today, leading an organization like Fetcher, being a CEO, what's few success habits that helped you? Look, I never changed across the ladder that I climbed. Uh, as I told you, all the, all the soft skills that maybe I, I gained across my career, they continued with me. I never had that ego of leadership, irrespective of how much I grew. I was always close to the people. I will always be a people's person, no matter what I do, where I work, or whatever is my rank. And of course, again, the positivity and the positive energy, which is self-generated. And I never really look for credit. I don't run for credit. I don't want that tap on the shoulder, neither today, nor tomorrow, nor the day after. This is really the last thing I care about. When you don't care about that, trust me, you will do miracles. You will, you will, you will see everything positive around you. So between a positive energy, between a self-motivation, when you motivate yourself, and you don't, don't need anybody to motivate you, this will allow you to grow. Plus, being closer to the people, being authentic to customers, uh, applying the basics of any industry, being customer-centric, uh, having uh, a trusted personality, having a clean reputation. Uh, you don't have enemies. I never had enemies in my life. Okay, I, you will have people whom you disagree with, and that's nature and normal. But having enemies, never. So, it's, I mean, these are the points which I believe personally, they helped me a lot. And of course, I always followed my dream. Uh, whatever I dreamt of, I followed that dream. I took risks. I had nothing to lose. And you know, when you have nothing to lose, you have a lot of things to gain. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, and uh, when you talked about enemies, it reminded me of once uh, I had a colleague and uh, he told me, this was a long time ago, he said, like, who are your enemies uh, in the company? And I said, I, I don't have enemies. <laughs> he told me, no, if you don't have enemies, then you have a problem. You should have at least a few enemies. And it's like, no, I don't want that. You know, why, why would I want that? And uh, why, why can, I, uh, can I not work with everyone and and serve everyone and everyone is helping me as well i think uh, and and because this is a danger especially within an organization right if you if you have enemies like like uh, this is this is what silos are about right you you have like these functions 
and everyone finger pointing at the other like team or department and or location uh, uh the head office versus the branches and uh, it leads it's it leads nowhere so uh, I, i i cannot agree with you more on this one like, but uh, for that look uh, it, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everybody of course you have to no. have opponents different different uh, opinions yes that's very healthy to have different opinions Uh, look, I always say that today, if you give me an organization of one million people, okay, and I come and tell you, you know what, I will ensure that there will be zero such practices. People will tell you it's impossible. No, it's possible. Trust me. It needs only the top of the organization, that captain who is driving that ship, to ensure or to just come and say, backstabbing, toxic culture, uh, you know, all these bad practices are not allowed and are considered as a violation or a compliance or a crime itself in the organization, trust me, it will stop. The issue is it needs high-level decisions and engagements to clean those organizations. I know a lot of people who work in brilliant organizations and brilliant organizations that have brilliant brands But there is inside somewhere across those layers that those practices that need to be improved. And for those to be improved, they have to be seen. And if they are seen, an action should be taken. The problem is actions are not being taken. So I think many cultures today need to be revamped. There should be a health check for every corporate culture that's more than five years old. You know, a car, you know that car? Every four or five years, you just repaint the car. Service is the car. Cultures need to be serviced from time to time. There is no way I can I can tell you that I will agree on any other opinion on this because the world is changing and people are changing and mindsets are changing and people go, people come. So cultures need a health check from time to time. Yeah, and I think it's a great point about the uh, the example in the top, like uh, to that everyone basically see and and being influenced by it one leader once a ceo actually told me like i have the challenge like i go to this this country which is falls under his pnl and when i go every everyone tell me like oh let me tell you something and they close the door and they start talking <laughs> about the, the person on the next door and i and he told me like what shall i do i said like well When they tell you this, it said like, let's go into all of us into a meeting room and let's talk. Exactly. Because this is the way you can solve it. Because otherwise, if you spend time with each one like this, no one will trust you even as a leader. So, you you have to stop encouraging that. The best yeah. way to what I used to do in the past, because look, 80% of my time uh, was is with working with people. That that has been always my career in in, in this industry. So 80% of of time is people. I don't really uh, follow a plane or a package. I, I, I work with people. So uh, the best way to handle that was whenever I had two leaders, each one coming alone and complaining about the other, simply I tell them, you go and fix your problem. Come to me and tell me how did you both fix that problem. I'm not going to fix problems between two senior people or senior executives. You are mature enough to fix your own problems. Because if you don't fix your own problems, how can I trust you to fix the problems of your teams? Gradually, uh, it started to change the situation. So whenever anybody comes and sees me, I look at them and say, no, no, we're not coming with a problem. Don't worry. We have an opportunity <laughs> to tell you about. <laughs> That's a great. Um, this takes me to the, to the next question, which is all about how did you keep learning and growing throughout the years? I will be lying to you if I tell you that I read tens and twenties of books. No, unfortunately, maybe I don't have enough time to read books 
I read sometimes, from time to time. But my biggest learnings are from the practical knowledge, from the day-to-day -day experience in the field, from everything I face every day in, in, in my work, is really, uh, uh, it's, it's the source of my knowledge. You know, life is, is a never-ending journey of learning. So that's why, for me, practical experience, uh, be it from problems or be it from opportunities, this is the best source of learning. Of course, uh, as well, I learn from others. I learn from the people whom I work with. Uh, sometimes you work from the people who are uh, even not maybe junior people. You learn a lot from them. You learn from your customers. You learn from your competitors. I learn a lot, by the way, from competitors. I look always at those competition and learn the things that maybe we don't do. And it's okay to copy them sometimes. Why not? That's if excellent. you can do it better, if you can do it better, why not? So it's it's about the attitude of learning of everything around you, like from your own experience, from others around you. And correct me if I'm wrong, when you post this this post on LinkedIn, I don't know, from my, my experience is when I post, I feel I, because I'm kind of reflecting on it and I'm trying to crystallize it, I feel that I learned before even, uh, before I share it. Does this happen to yeah. you also? Well, look, eventually when you post, uh, it's, it's maybe a reminder of something you learned. Mm -hmm. It keeps you reminded of that topic and it gives you commitment. And by the way, very important rule on LinkedIn, everything you post, you should walk the talk. You yeah. just cannot post something for, I don't know, maybe 70 or 700 million people. I don't know how many people are on LinkedIn. Every single topic you post about should reflect the way you lead, should reflect the way you behave. You just yeah. cannot be an angel on LinkedIn or on social media and behind the scenes you are another person. It doesn't work because Absolutely. you will never be trusted and people will never trust you. By the way, talking about posting on LinkedIn, uh, I mentioned a couple of times because people ask me, are you hiring somebody to create the content? I never do that. I will never do that. I had a lot during my, my, all my jobs, uh, you know, the PR teams or the communications teams coming to me and telling me we want to write for you articles for thought leadership. I always refuse. If I don't write the content, how can I address people? How can you write something on my behalf uh, and, and then put my signature? It doesn't work like that. So maybe I have a small advice. Any leader who says I don't have time to write myself, no, you can't find time. It's a matter of finding that time. It will take you 10, 20 minutes, half an hour, draft something, let people feel that that's coming from you. You don't really need your PR or your communications team to draft those for you. It is not really a rule. I'm not trying to dictate here. I'm just giving an advice because we feel, I feel, and you feel, if that leader is authentic and what was written or it was just written as a PR uh, uh, on his or her behalf. I'm not talking about the corporate things. I'm talking about thought leadership. When you say thought leadership, it should come from within you and nothing other than from within you. That's a great. And again, when I, when I looked at all your posts, I saw the, how they are authentic. I see a lot of people, they go and they post stuff which are you know very generic in a way, like like motivational stuff, but they're very generic. They're not the kind of connected to their experience, to their leadership journey. To and this is what I see. It's it's different, and and uh, and it's very clear that it's something that you are driving, uh, which is which is great. Um, what advice do you have for leaders, Hussein? 
First of all, I can tell leaders, you need to be yourself, believe in yourself, uh, stay close to your people, your, uh, your biggest, biggest and the most valuable asset is your people. I'm going to post about this, by the way, I have a video already ready about those assets. Uh, and of course, uh, you need to keep on uh, upgrading yourself, upgrading your knowledge. The world is moving fast, very fast. And everything you've learned in the past is becoming obsolete. The 2.0 version, as I always say, of the world is kicking in. If you don't really upgrade your skills, upgrade your knowledge, uh, learn more, cope with the technological changes that are happening, you will really miss the boat. And this is a very important advice. This is for existing leaders. For students who are graduating and they want to emerge into those a new generation of leaders. I think you have the right base today because you're starting from the benchmark of the version 2.0 of this world. All you need to do is you just need to uh, believe in yourselves, choose the right career, the right path, and the right leadership uh, style that you want to uh, deploy when having that specific challenge or, or opportunity in any job you take. Yeah, and... Any special advice when it comes, if they want to reach the top, like become the CEO or the head of their organization? Well, uh, the sky is your limit. There is nothing. Anybody can name himself or herself as a CEO. You just can open any, any. It's not about really the title itself. It's about having the power to make things happen on the ground. The best thing of being a CEO here is not that title or that business card or that C-level executive status. No, it's having that good power that allows you to improve the situation of people, to improve the, comp the company's performance, to, uh, to I'm not going to say enforce things, to encourage things and open all these roadblocks. That's why maybe sometimes when you are on the top of the organization and you don't report to anybody above you, you, you don't have any more layer that you need permissions from uh, can, can give you a big advantage if you are really good in making things happen. Uh, being an executive is all about driving things forward in a less bureaucratic way, in a more flexible way. And the best thing ever of any CEO that can be done is to deliver the most exceptional performance through his or her people only. It's not me who is delivering the great work in the organization. It's the people who are delivering that. And my role is to ensure that they are motivated enough, empowered enough to deliver. And then we are all winners and we celebrate as one team. Yeah, this takes me to just one point where you say this about like the importance of people, the importance of engaging people, inspiring people. What about like this young leaders, for example, who don't have this skill like about, they are more kind of task oriented or more like forceful. How do you, what, what could you give them as an advice to be able to become more comfortable being around people, motivating people, engaging people? In two words, balance between what you are and what, what, you, should, what you should be. Mm. As simple as that. Whatever mm. you are today and, what, and how you should be to influence, balance with being both, you will have the right combination. You cannot tell anybody you have to change completely. It will never work. Uh, if you balance, you will reach there. Yeah, that's great. And my last question to you, Hussein, is what's the legacy that you'd like to leave behind as a leader, as a CEO, and overall? 
Look, I just want to, I mean, I always think of, I would like people to always remember me uh, by the actions that I, I have taken, by the good things that I have maybe left uh, in the communities or across every touch point with every human being in, in, this, in this world. And of course, the most important thing, which we all like to see in the future, of course, is whenever your children are proud of what their parents have done at least, or whenever they say that we are the sons or daughters of X, Y, Z, at least there is something to be proud of. If you have a stamp in any organization, in any community, or in any industry that you have been part of. So literally, you will never leave anything more than your reputation, uh, the, the good ways people rem remember you. I don't want to be a person whom people remember me as that beast who has been always uh, a negative guy. No. Anything we do today is just uh, brings the memory of yourself and everything you've done for everybody in the future. That's a, that's a great uh, concluding remarks and reflections. Uh, Hussein, thank you so much for being with us today. I know that you are very busy. I think your, your leadership schedule is packed with back-to-back -back meetings uh, and engagements. And, uh, and I really appreciate like, the work you're doing, the culture you're driving, the message that you are pushing forward for within your organization and outside through LinkedIn and uh, the way you're promoting people, promoting the importance of culture. And all these are, are, are the key uh, uh, vision and mission of what this podcast is about. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I, it's, a, it's 10 o'clock right now in, uh, in, in Dubai. So uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for you being with us today. No, thank you for that. And by the way, if it wasn't because of LinkedIn, we couldn't have met. So uh, when I say social friends, I yeah. mean it. So you are a social friend whom I could have never met if it wasn't on LinkedIn and if it wasn't of the activity. I really thank you for giving me the opportunity. If you remember when you approached me for this talk, I told you I felt your passion and, and talking the same language that I talk, which is leadership and culture and people. And that's why it's my pleasure to be with you. I wish you the best in your journey because you are also in a very uh, noble journey here to maybe at least introduce some good changes in the workforce. I'm sure you will have your stamp somehow across people's lives. Enjoy thank Switzerland. I envy you for being there. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for being here. I'm very lucky to be here. So thank you so much. And thank you to all of you, our listeners. Uh, please, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the podcast and also give us rating, give us feedback. I'm really curious to hear how you find this episode, how you're finding the, the podcast overall. Until the next episode, take care. Bye. Bye.